continuing completed classics, fulfilling failed franchises, reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's the follow-up showdown with Paul Getz, Travis McMaster, and Lauren Accordi. Hello and welcome to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your host, who I think might like light beer a little too much, Paul Getz, and with me are my co-hosts, who I might guess would move to Pandora right now, given the chance, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. Is that right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'd like to That was say Lauren, that by the way. <laughs> I would absolutely not like to move to Pandora. I don't know if you guys know this about Pandora, but everything that flies, runs, or squats in the mud wants to eat me and my eyes for jujubes. At first, I think you can. I think you can move past it. It would seem as way of part of the culture. But uh, moving on from that, just to let you know, if you haven't heard the show before, we are a podcast that takes movies with either no sequel or a disappointing sequel, and each take our individual turns coming up with the ultimate one. Today, our guest is a returning all-star of the show, one of the creators of the Animatrix 2000, Mario Kali Moon. And I'm hey. so happy to say your hyphenated name this time. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. official. I um, keep having to do this thing where I say, like, Mario Kali. Well, it's Mario Kali Moon. We just got married. <laughs> and then I'm on a five-minute conversation about, yeah, yeah, it was great. Nobody was there. We uh, saved a bunch of money, bought a house. Nice. Kali yeah. Moon. Well, I like the sound of MCM when you abbreviate it. There's something to do with uh, the Lion Studio MCM. MGM. Title. Fuck, MGM. you're right. That's what I was thinking. Of. No, I'm pretty sure it's Metro Coldwyn Meyer. <laughs> I never know where the studio is until I hear its name pronounced. <laughs> because we're talking about studio names, an awesome thing that happened to me when i started this movie it had a feature on called english audio description have you ever watched anything with this before i no. have paul my brother and i accidentally rented um i believe it was star trek 5 from the wichita library when we were kids not knowing it had that on and mm -hmm. we just were absolutely delighted with the gentle descriptions of like Spock enters the bridge and stops. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I guess it's for the blind, which is amazing. And it's really, really well done, at least in, in this instance, really smooth British voice. But it started with the 20th Century Fox logo. And here's what it said. Searchlights pierce a starry night sky, sweeping the clouds and illuminating a towering edifice in the form of the words 20th Century Fox. Did you Go watch ahead. it on Disney Plus? Because I think mine did that to I me did. too. And I like that's yes. so weird. It set it on yeah. to start with. Yeah, I remember that yeah. now. And I wasn't was... like, wow, they didn't they did not phone this <laughs> in. They really put some artwork into describing the scene. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Describing the logo was amazing. And then it went on rainforest, a, a swathed in rising mists was the next shot. And I was just like, well, first of all, I didn't I hadn't seen this movie since the theaters. So I was like, I don't remember this. I don't remember this clever part with the narrator, <laughs> like, describing uh, things. I wonder when this goes away. It took me did you minute. think it was, like, a Lord of the Rings situation? I thought it was doing something 
more avant-garde than anything else. I was like, wow, this broke ground in a few ways that I don't even remember. Okay, so we've done a lot of talking around it. So anybody who doesn't know, the movie we're talking about today is 2009's Avatar, the James Cameron decade-long pursued masterpiece, arguably, certain the, the highest grossing movie of all time until recently scooped by Avatar's Endgame. Marvel. Uh, sorry, and- Mar- sorry. Yeah. Avengers Endgame. My apologies. <laughs> so, Lauren, this was your suggestion. It's been a long time coming for us to do this episode. Yeah. It's a big one. I would like to call it a throw-down-the-gauntlet episode because, as we all know, there are... F- Four sequels planned for this movie already. Yeah, we'll see. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll see how many we get. But either way, we know that some are coming. And so what we are presenting today is a challenge to James Cameron himself to do better than all of us. So let's really put on our pants this time, guys. I think I can take him, Coach. <laughs> wow. Them's big words. So, Lauren, why did you want to do this? Um, Well, because I am so very antsy for the sequels like the second one was supposed to come out december 18th this past uh, 2020 and you know that didn't happen if you thought it was coming out in 2020 that's a little on you who would take winds of winter or avatar 2 to come out first winds of winter of course being the game of thrones book you're never gonna read that book right okay that's probably correct Uh, the next estimated date for avatar 2 is 2024 what really good lord Mm mm-hmm I'll believe yeah, it. because of uh, That's COVID. A, James uh, is smart. If you just push delayed. it off past when there will be a culture to see it, you never have to make it. That's ingenious. <laughs> wow. Um, but, yes, uh, this is one of my favorite movies. So that is another reason why I wanted to. I wanted a chance to talk about it. I think it's amazing. All right. Well, Nito, 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 Nito. And I'm looking forward to um, all opinions being presented. Uh, but before we get into those, Travis, it's time for a minute with you McMaster. Always forget. <laughs> um, well, we have to offer it to and that's guest, the fun. as ever. Yeah. <laughs> if if if, if oh, the yeah. guest wants to take a crack at the if, old if, minute, if, 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 I, I, I I put my foot in it so bad with the Matrix that I don't want you, to. Okay, can I say? I wouldn't say you put your foot into it. I think that you love the Matrix so much that you got a little excited. You did really well, I and, thought. And uh, you just didn't just manage to movies. get all three of them done. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I've taken enough praise that I feel good about myself again, and we'll try it after all. Okay. okay. Mario comes to the rescue again. So this is now a Mario Kali Moon Minute. I want to tell you I'm very excited yeah. to hear what Jingle Paul comes up for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. (laughs) Travis wasn't up to the task, so Mario had to be asked. Mario. Mario. Thank you for your service. And go. We found a planet called Pandora. There's a special metal called Unobtainium that we really want. There are also people there already, but they're these giant blue aliens. Now, we already had a program in place to make alien human hybrid bodies that we could pilot via virtual reality basically to get to know them better but also the military just wants to kill them and take the metal we get a guy who doesn't know what he's doing because he's the brother of a guy who did know what he's doing who goes and meets them gets in with them meets a native that he falls in love with they share culture back and forth he decides to defect against the military military comes to blow everything up and he says no we're going to fight them and uses his knowledge of the inside of that program to fight them off and then at the end of the movie the military has to f off back where they came from and he gets to live with the natives Wow. Very nice. You have 20 seconds left. I'm going to give you that 20 seconds to explain 
as much of the Navi culture as you can. Okay. It is the Earth typical. They are close to the planet on which they live, the Earth. They have who knows how much ability to make technology because they probably never bothered to look into it. Uh, everything works with an analogy of as if it were homegrown. So they have houses and cars and airplanes, but they're all biological creatures that they can talk to. So they don't need to build any of those things. Um Everything glows, so they never right, have electricity. That's your full minute, and you used it very well, my yeah. friend. Well, well done. Oh, very I, well done. I, I, I should have just said more Matrix plot instead. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we, um, we get Mario to uh, do every minute. He's so – his mind, like a diamond, under great pressure, becomes hard and beautiful. Day to day, his mind is – A diamond has already been under pressure. Guys, don't, don't, hey, you know, don't worry about it, everybody. I actually do have an end of this sentence in mind. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. No, because no one laughed at my little shitty remark just now. So now I just look like a bully. <laughs> there were laughs. There were laughs. You know, I think you just missed them. You know, I kept going. Yeah. I said to myself after the Matrix episode, wherein I would say Mario and I, as we do when we're together, got a little rowdy and a little noisy. I said mm-hmm. I was going to be a kind-hearted man and compliment and be uplifting. And uh, it has been 12 minutes and that's all out the window now. <laughs> all right. Now I know yeah. what we're doing here. <laughs> and the episode will be all the better for it. Okay, so then, yes, time to get into it. Let's talk about our feelings. Do you want to go first, Lauren, or do you want to be kept for last? Um, I want to go first because I just, just want to gush. Um, So I saw this, this movie in theaters in 3D, you know, in 2009. I was instantly taken with it. I thought I was blown away by the visuals. Um, I was very touched by the story. I still, you know, cry every time. It's so arresting. You know, it it is a classic tale, you know. But I just, I just think it's wonderful and beautiful. And I'm so enchanted by it. And that's, that's really, I guess that's really it. That's just going to be repeating how much I think this movie is special and captivating and uh, needs to stop being bullied. Aha. And that's all I'll say on that. You know, for it to be bullied after making, you know, the most money ever for quite a few years is like, it's, it's a funny thing. It's curious. It's a fun, I mean, it's like indicative of how culture reacts to anything, I guess. Sure. They love it and then dissect it. Mm -hmm. I guess then the question becomes, is this movie worth a little bit more dissectable than your average thing? I mean, like it, it, do you feel this is hated on more than other franchises of its same size. Yeah, because I'd say it's on the same level as like Marvel movies, and people don't really poo-poo Marvel movies. You know, they're there for them. Um, so mm-hmm. I'd say that Avatar definitely gets the the brunt of hate. One, I haven't met many people that love it as much as I do. Really, it's only Travis, honestly. And um, so so many people, it, it's like a cultural like zeitgeist. Guys, people are like, "Yes, we're gonna poop on Avatar." I don't know why. I, back when I saw this, became pretty instantly one of those shit uponers. My experience watching it was being jaw agape, eyes agog, for the first hour and a half at least. Blown away seeing something I'd never seen before and in a way that it's like, I understand completely why this movie is worth uh, every single bit of its money. This time around watching it, my feelings on... The narrative and how the movie is overall were better. I liked it better. I was done wanting to hate on it. I will say that this time, once again, at a certain point, I checked out of the story a little bit more than 
I was hoping I would. You know, it's pretty easy to follow. But at a certain point, I just kind of felt like, okay, I know everything that's going to happen for the next hour at least. It's a long and then, it's like two and a half hours, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when he rides his Banshee, that was like <clears throat> sort of the... Uh, pardon, I'm sorry. This is a genuine uh, clarification. The first time he rides it or when he rides the, the, the super one? Taruk. When you the first time he rides okay, his own, cool. when he's like tested, right? That that was the beginning of my come down of delightment with the film, and then it didn't really come back up to that point until the creatures got involved again, specifically when the hammerheads came back in the forest. That's the because that was when the first, I start crying. That's the first time in the movie after that that I felt like, oh shit, I did forget about this. This did surprise me and in, in a delightful way. And it also made me question, like, you know, he knew about these things. That should have been part of the plan from get-go, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to have Lauren say, this is my favorite movie, and <laughs> not just go, okay, neat, Avatar. I had the experience of seeing it in the theater and in 3D, and that first shot where Jake comes out of suspension and they do, like, a really deep field of vision – it's the most like, oh, the wall came off the back of the theater moment I've ever had in a, in a 3D movie. Um, mm -hmm. Like, because, yeah, of course it's good. It's James Cameron and it's amazing and it's technically unbeatable, mm -hmm. still arguably now uh, in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, so when I went to rewatch it for this, I was shocked at how bored I was for most of it. I mean, I paused it halfway through thinking there's 30 minutes left mm -hmm. and there was a whole half a movie and I don't want to say I felt dismayed, but sort of fatigued. Like when oh. you're like, well, I've got a lot more work to do before I can go home. Uh, and that's not the experience you want. And then yeah. I had the opposite experience of you, Paul, where I was like, you know, it's the all is lost moment and everything's on fire and everything's in slow-mo and everyone's sad. I was like, how did they get that? How did they get out of this? I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And then the animal showed up and I was like, oh, they get rescued by magic. <laughs> by nature. <laughs> By nature, yeah, nature. something inexplicable yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with anything the characters did. I just want to point out that my experience was remarkably different from Lauren's and particularly different from Paul's and that I went from having esteem for the film to realizing that just none of it. I mean, like that Paul and I have not watched it since it came out to me as an indication of we did not find anything worth going back for in abstract you know what I mean? I think if you ask either of us six months ago, hey, what do you think of Avatar? We'd be like, yeah, good movie. But it's been sitting there on yeah. Disney Plus since I got Disney Plus, and it never occurred to me to watch it. And I've gone back to watch all kinds of other stuff. So I don't know when I'll watch it again. Maybe before <laughs> the next one. I was going like, say, if it takes you to 2024, you'll probably want to yeah. review in three years. Yeah. Um, we watched it, it, for it last it, year it, as well. I mean, it's long. Like you said, it's long. And I don't know that it needs to be that long. I mean, I can't really think of a spectacle that I won't cut out mm -hmm. because the spectacle is what it has and does well in spades. What I would say it might be lacking in that every Marvel movie has to some extent is fun. You know, there aren't really any complexities to character. And so there aren't even really any funny characters. There's not even really a character redemption that happens. Do you because know everybody, what's weird? Yeah. Whose character ends up honestly standing out to me the most every time I watch it is the boss bad guy. Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. He stands out, but I think it's literally just because I think it's super fun to watch Giovanni Ribisi be fucking smarmy. Yeah. 
and I know he doesn't do anything anymore than anyone else, but for whatever reason, his performance is always the him just being, you see this rock? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right. He's very, as soon as he showed up with the putting, I was like, yeah. I forgot he was in this. Yes, I'm already on a next level here because he is really the only actor in the movie that takes it to another level. And then I, I will say that I think in defense of Sigourney that she's in that scene too, and she's probably doing yeah. more to support Paul than we're giving her credit for. I would also say that her dialogue stands out to me as dialogue that would have fallen flatter in anyone else's hands. Yeah, she had a lot to lift. Um, I, I disagree yeah, where, about the yeah. performances. I think that across the board, there. I mean, not, maybe not Sam Worthington. He not no. He he does. No. He stop. Sorry. He, he does his. Yeah. He does what he does very well. I think he does Jake Sully great ser, um, service. But overall, I think the performances are very very good, and they come through even the mocap, which is a huge testament. You know. Yeah. Um, I'll give. Lots and lots of credit to Zoe. Um, it's a hard thing to not feel a sense of disconnect when something is so CGI bolstered, like her character is in general. To some extent, she almost feels like an animated character. It's just, it's a hard connection to make as a viewer for me in terms of like how much she's doing really well. Okay. Outside of her, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess uh-huh. it's just because every character falls into a familiar archetype and never, none of them, the closest anyone besides Giovanni came to me to breaking out of that archetype hole was when Michelle Rodriguez says, you're not the only one with a gun, bitch. That was the only one that stood out as like a fun, hey, fun. You know, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. Well, I, I mean, I, I really love Avatar too. I saw it a bunch in theaters. I, Five times. Uh, shh, don't say the number. It's one of those movies I'll throw on like, once a year or so, just because I really enjoy it. I don't typically anymore like to engage in the Avatar bashing defense conversation. I've done that a lot. Uh, no one ever wins that conversation. Just two people are mad at each other a little bit. Uh, and I don't have any like secret magic insight to open anyone's eyes. I saw the same movie everyone else did. I just liked what it did. Okay. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you've said. And in fact, when I watch this movie and I have these fake arguments in my head and then out loud to Lauren about these hypothetical and very real people who don't like Avatar, I always think there are lots of reasons not to like Avatar, as there are with any movie. It is very long. Sometimes you don't want to sit through a movie that long. And yeah, it's not dazzlingly inventive in its writing. It is almost by design boilerplate, so it can present all of these, like, R&D effects things Cameron wanted to do to tell this story. Like, the bad guy's name might as well be General Biceps. This movie, when I went back to watch it, does feel like someone wanted to make the best tech demo they could come up with, and they felt that the only way to get away with that was to tell a story. And the tech is unarguably awesome. I will talk to you for 20 minutes about how they had cameras that knew where they were in a digital space so that he could like scale up to do the like passes through the valley or go, you know, normal camera size to shoot Zoe reacting and all of that stuff is amazing. And I think that the movie gets like, this is the most cinematic justice I've ever seen a movie receive. It made the most money ever. And then no one talked about it again. And I don't think that's undeserved. I'm just saying like, can you all stop 12 years later like smirking down at me and going like, hey, have you ever seen a little movie called Fern Gully? I don't know if you're aware of this movie, Fern Gully. Yeah. I guess I, I mean, sort of as to Mario's point, I'm surprised people would still be doing that. Right? I understand doing it in the moment and I understand why I was one to do it in the moment. There is 
a sense of an emotional, an inner like sense of letdown when the movie stops doing things like creating brand new creatures for me to go wow at and just picks up a plot. Nuance is hard. Yeah. Unfortunately, nuance is really hard for people. I mean, I don't have a lot of like major negatives of like this didn't make any sense or like the stuff that is actually like a criticism outside of just didn't grab me. Sure. You know, yeah. like it could have or whatever. Yeah. Question. I don't know. I have the DVD, so of course I always, when I watch it, except for this time where we did it on Disney Plus, I always watch the extended director's cut. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't. I uh-huh. could not have met. What did he put back in? What could he possibly have put back in? Are there in? jokes? <laughs> jokes? <laughs> Steve Zahn's character, the short fat oh, hobby. No. no, I'm sorry. They got a Steve Zahn performance Please. from this. I'm kidding. I'm, guys. Yeah. Oh, I was about to be so mad. There's no yeah. short fat. <laughs> Steve Zahn, Navi, who keep like dropping <laughs> hands and stuff. Um, there is like some extended Navi stuff later. I don't like with the love scene or something, yada, yada. It's not that much. Honestly. The reason I like to watch yeah. it is that he front loads the movie. You get a lot mm. more of stuff with Jake on Earth. You get to see what Earth looks like. And it's, oh, oh wow. that's big. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. I'm sure you could find the scenes oh, online. Yeah. There's not that many. But all of that stuff with his voice, there's like a scene with him at a bar. You get to see that whole scene where he's seeing his brother and those two government guys are pitching him the whole deal. Yeah, all right. little like Life. McDonald's box <laughs> apartment, which is just like a bed. And then the entire wall is a TV. And on the TV, there, there's a news program talking about how tigers were just cloned back into existence for the first time. Oh. Little like world. Blade runner stuff. Yeah, shit that I yeah. made up yeah. that you could absolutely lose and the movie doesn't change. So it always gets lost. But I adore it. Well, that actually all sounds kind of appealing to me. Um, oh, but before those you get... kinds of details being added in. Uh, yeah. I wanted to like, just tack one more praise on it. And like, it really does come down to that. I really love, like, the dialogue is very, like, mm, like, ooh, you know, like, it's doing something. Arch. It's arch. arch. What, he keeps saying arch. I'm not sure what that means. Um, but <laughs> I, I love it. Like, he's like, oh, some guy ended my brother's life. For the paper in his wallet, like he's and a like noir detective, wow. right? Yeah. I was gonna say it's yeah. almost noir. Yeah, and I love that. Like it works for me. And every single line Stephen Lang has, oh my god, it's just I. Oh my god, it's I. I see how that could be taken as something people are like, ugh. But I'm just like, yeah. And I will not succeed, <laughs> not with all of what? you. <laughs> yeah, I, Stephen Lang worked for me pretty well. Like whenever he's like doing like push-ups, he's like, "You see this scar? Day one, mm-hmm. I, think I felt like yeah. a shave-tailed Louis." Just all of his, but you like, know what? His verbiage is like, I'm like, "What the fuck are you saying? This is crazy." <laughs> but you know what? I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just went. I... Guys, we should watch Avatar right now. <laughs> The thing that's disappointing is I remember saying like, well, at least Stephen Lang is here. And as I watched back through the movie, it's like, yeah, that's fine. I It didn't even hit the way it used to hit for me. And I don't know why. I think it's very sweet of you to sort of like hesitantly be like, gosh, I don't know why I didn't like this movie. Like, it's fine. And I really think the reason that you it didn't resonate with you guys, it, I think they're valid reasons. It's long. It's a little, I don't want to say flat, but it's simple. Like there are a hundred reasons why you might disengage, especially 12 years later after you've seen it. I disagree with the narration as a whole. Mm. First of all, it goes away really quickly and it brings about lines in the beginning. You don't need, and that do stick out. Like I wrote down one life ends, another begins. It's like, yeah, 
I mean, I'm seeing that visually. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> all of those scenes would work just as well without the narration, especially given that it doesn't stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember the, after it drops it in the beginning, the next and I think only time it comes back is Sigourney Weaver walks away from him and his thought is like, she knew exactly what I was, what I was doing. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, why do we need to it, say it is, that? It, it's why it that, that, that um, it works for me in this probably just overall. Cause I love the movie and I, it, it's doing a number of things that can be seen as cheap or weird or cheesy, but I like it. And it, this particular case works for me because Jake is also doing his, his video logs. So that's like a mm-hmm. form of voiceover ish. But that's what I said too. Yeah. But it goes, it comes back after he stops doing the logs, which is why that argument falls apart. That's the thing to me is like, I would say that my actual active problem with this movie is that there is a lack of discipline, which I know is weird to say about James Cameron, but I think it's true. The narration feels oh. like a writing flourish that they were charmed with or reliant on and could have gotten rid of, but didn't because it didn't, that would have taken more discipline. There is so many things in this movie that kind of function the same way. Jake literally figures out how to ride a dragon before doing it better later. You did that already. He attacks what the, the world tree first, right? When their home burns. Mm -hmm. And then that moment, all is lost. We are defeated and they go home and they're like, well, we're going to do it again. And then you have the same scene for the beginning of the third act. It's like, you already did the guys come to you and try to blow you up, but now we're going to do it better. I think that there is a version of this movie that's 30 to an hour shorter and it slaps and doesn't let up Mm. and you get all the same world building and interesting things. And maybe it holds your hand less, I bet you a 90 to 120 minute version of this movie that really isn't doing anything in, like indulgent would have been on people's lips for the rest of time and probably would have made it easier to make a sequel, frankly. Yeah. And <clears throat> I can see what you're saying. And I, it, it feels very comfortable to me. Cause like I said, I don't have any notes that are negative to the point that it tears down the movie. The structure works. It's classic. You know, uh, and as far as an origin story for, as you put it, Avatar World, that works too. That stuff is all the best stuff. Um, I am excited to see if Avatar 2 brings things to a Terminator 2 level by bringing, once again, the fun. Because that is really yeah. what. When, when people say to me Terminator 2, I think, yeah, that movie's fun. I know what yeah. Paul means. <laughs> I don't anticipate any fun i will yeah. say that if jake teaches uh nahiri how to do thumbs up or smile i will be over yeah. the moon ah, i'm run i'm laughing already that sounds <laughs> yeah, great he'll just like pull one yeah. of and she can be like oh we're gonna get a like high high four joke oh oh he I didn't mean... like that he didn't like that one folks <laughs> as far as like people dunking on the movie i can say i do sort of agree with like the note of like, so his sex tail also goes into the horse? Because <laughs> my sex stuff does multiple things too, but none of them are also into a horse. Well, they could. Right. It could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could. All of my behaviors. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, okay, so real quick, just to get some notes in before we, uh, we move on. Uh, actors' notes I have for this movie. The Studio's first choices to play Jake Sully were Matt Damon and Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh. Jake would have been so good in this. Yeah. 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 I'm not anti either of those choices. I do have more faith in Jake 
elevating things. And I love Matt Damon, but I have seen Matt Damon play. I think he works better in a normal guy movie yeah. than an action movie. Um, whereas Jake, well, I yeah, think Jason that's... Bourne is garbage. Yeah, he. I feel well, like he barely pulled off those. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I love Jason Bourne. Yeah, you too. I, you know, that's a very good point. And I have what's his name? Sam. Uh, Sam Worthington. Worthington. He's not. He's not dead, right? He's around. <laughs> he's, yeah. No, no. He, he had his um, moment in the sun. I. I feel. I feel he. He got. He got hated on like Avatar got hated on, and just continued to get hated on like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, unfortunate. And I, I feel like anytime a movie has an actor put a performance like that in, you know, like Hayden Christensen, this guy, any, any, anything where someone is just like Keanu when he was on early, like that's a yeah. choice that the people making the movie above that actor are making for them. You know what I mean? That's what they were yeah. asked to do. You can't get too mad at them. That's like why you cast Sam Worthington, because no offense to Sam Worthington. It's easy for us to forget who the fuck he is and be involved in the movie as, you know, I'm the protagonist. It's almost like a video game. And just for anyone who wants to jump up and down on Sam Worthington too hard, because I agree as the, the, his performance in that is very narrow and like in the lane it's trying to be in. But just to point out how hard it is to still do that level of acting like poorly or whatever, just go into your living room and try to make his big speech to the other clans to join them. Try to do that yourself and sound half as inspiring. And you'll see how difficult it is to actually carry even the like most basic parts of yeah. performing. I mean, but that's the difference between an act. There is something that separates an actor from a movie star. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Sam Worthington got there. The movie is stacked with actors that, you know, on their own carry whole films and they're just like in there as bit parts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it seems really unfair to be like, and Sam did an adequate job he was asked to do. So let's rain on him forever. Yeah. Anyway, you know, Jake he's Hall, I think would have, would have been, really I mean, good. he's yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Given, uh, well, James Cameron didn't want to do that. He wanted an unknown. Apparently, Sam Worthington was living in his car <laughs> when he was cast. And uh, what James Cameron specifically wanted was a real quality, the guy who you want to have a beer with. Yeah. That, I think I Sam is doing a great job of being exactly what James Cameron wanted. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Totally I, what's, I wouldn't be that excited to have a beer with that guy. Well, yeah. So other, he almost didn't cast Sigourney because he thought it was the obvious choice, but then, (laughs) you know, she just pushed her way through, nailed the audition. Such a funny excuse in this movie to be like, well, it seemed obvious. Well, and (laughs) similarly, Michael Bean was considered for oh. the Colonel. See, um, fuck, that's a hard one to disagree with the casting on because obviously that guy's amazing. But I yeah. do love Michael Bean. Mm. Well, and James Cameron specifically rejected him because he'd already cast Sigourney and he didn't want people thinking it was aliens all over again. Which that's another weird logic <laughs> to me because it's an like alternate title for Avatar. <laughs> yeah, aliens all well, over again from James Cameron. Also, if you like, how, how is that a sticking point for you, but not? robot suit fighting giant mother right, right. alien looking alien she later in the movie have a night yeah i think michael <laughs> bean <could laughs> okay have, i don't think he uh, stephen lang's so good i don't think michael bean could have pulled off like that outrageous yeah. macho 
that Stephen Lang has. is so good that spoilers he dies in this movie and when they announced he's returning for the sequels I had zero problem I was like yeah great don't oh, man, yeah, thank I don't God. care if they just put an eye patch yeah. on him and they're like oh, he's okay now yeah. so just last thing I want to say about Sam Worthington and this helps me give him credit I didn't realize he was Australian you know and that often <laughs> that often comes up with me when I find a person played when I find a person that I felt their role was stifled or boring or just sort of flat, and then I find out they were doing an accent the whole time that I didn't notice was an accent, I go, okay, points. That's points. I think that's the yeah. most charming thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like we because culturally we are huge on ragging the shit out of any actor who doesn't pull off an accent, you know, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Aww. But anytime anyone does it, it's like the thankless task. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So I love the idea that people went out of his way to be like, yeah. he was so good, I didn't know he wasn't that right. he's not from there. Yeah. Well done. Okay, so some fun facts here. Um, uh, I, I'm sure you notice many of the animal noise heard in the movie are recycled dinosaur noises from Jurassic Park. Specifically, Stuck the first out one. at me hardcore. T Rex and raptor noises. I say it every time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think it's as a lover of Jurassic Park, I think that's neat. But as a lover of not being wildly distracted during my movies, I found it yeah. an odd choice. Yeah, and not to beat up on the movie too much, but reminding me of Jurassic Park during your movie is probably a bad thing to do. If I already would rather be watching Jurassic Park, I don't think James Cameron thinks in those terms. No, yeah, which you know. <laughs> um, and then my favorite fun fact that I have: the spiral-shaped retracting creatures that Jake mm. pokes so that they retract themselves. One of my favorite moments in the movie are giant versions of what are called Christmas tree worms, a marine invertebrate. Commonly kept in reef aquariums. Very James Cameron under the sea, you know. I knew I hated them. There. Oh. <laughs> oh, I cool. loved them. I didn't know that. I didn't, want, I didn't think it was cool that he was touching them. I was like, those are alive, man. You know, but <laughs> yeah. I'll just real quick go over what, besides, as you mentioned, Stephen Lang is returning for the sequel. Everything else that there is to be known about the sequel. Basically, everyone is returning. Sam Worthington. Thank God. I'm glad he's alive. Yeah, Zoe Saldana, Giovanni, hell yeah, CCH Pounder, and Stephen Lang, and Matt Gerald, the guy who gets crushed by the hammerhead rhino in the in the suit. His sort of like main underling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's coming back. I don't know how those characters are coming back, but they're coming back. Oh, Sigourney Weaver is also returning, although she is playing a different character. No shit. Uh, I was going to say, because it sounds like flashback stuff, right, at this point. Like, you have so many people who are dead that it's probably just like, remember when that happened? Um, and then the new cast members are Cliff Curtis and Kate Winslet as members of the Navi Reef people. And uh, Una Chaplin, uh, who is a Varang, a strong and vibrant central character who will be spanning the entire saga of all the sequels. So... That's pretty much all that's known. And then there's a bunch of kids, like kid actors who are supposed to be the roles as well. Someone had Twittered that, uh, like, the the cast announcement of all those kids, however many years Mm. ago it was, and they were like, these are all the kids who are going to be the Avatar sequels. And I think the overall point was, like, by the time the sequel actually comes out, the youngest one of those kids is going to be, like, old enough to drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's maybe something. Maybe this is like what was that uh, the Lankletter movie where they just followed a kid around and then boyhood. they're like, "We made a movie about him." Yeah, Boyhood. That's what yeah. Cameron's doing. He's literally just letting these actors who are going to be CG anyway mm-hmm. grow fully up to portray them from kids to adults. That might be it, honestly. Who knows? No, that- James Cameron will take a risk. That you got to say about him. Yeah he he doesn't um, he doesn't like idling. 
He likes to crank it. He likes to pr- press down mm-hmm. on the accelerator, baby. Reach those depths, literally. Yeah, there you go. That's a better one. Yeah. He'll go deep. He, he yeah, goes deep. He goes deep. So let's challenge him, huh? Yeah! So, it's starting so- off, back to the questions. <laughs> Should this movie have a sequel? Yeah. Yeah! Four spread across <laughs> decades. <laughs> Absolutely not. My my pitch is a pastiche of other franchises I'm forcing to be involved with Avatar because I literally have no questions about what happens next. Well, I will say that uh, we did run into that problem thinking of our pitches. Cause, and especially because it's set on literally another planet, you can't go like, well, all the characters go to Vegas. It's like, I don't know. There's monsters everywhere and they... Killed the humans. It's hard with this movie because what is to be expected from James Cameron is nothing short of something no one has ever seen before. Right. So how are we going to do that? Underwater <laughs> stuff, mostly. <laughs> I mean, and also I'm excited, you know, everything I liked most in the movie was being introduced to this incredibly visual world. I'm ready for a second incredibly visual world mm-hmm, under mm-hmm. the sea. Cue Homer dream sequence. Um, <laughs> but I, my answer to the question is no. I mean, I'm wrong because I'm going to go see the movie. Can't wait for it. Well, yeah, to some extent, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, I don't know. In terms of what this movie did and this movie earned, I, I think I would be more excited for James Cameron to be doing something I never heard of. I don't want him yeah, committed think... to this one franchise for decades, you know? Yeah, me too. Personally. Does it need a you sequel? Know what would be- no. Is there room for sequels? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, the story, the story I just want to say complete. Yeah. Okay, so then next question. Sequel or prequel? If you're going to do it, what's the sweet spot? I would say uh, prequel. You have more. Right. There's more interesting stuff to be found in the rich history of like all the shit before. Finding the planet, going there, establishing your first whatever, whatever. Grace's school with the kids. There's plenty of stories to be explored there. I did have questions throughout the movie about the inception of their sort of avatar spy program into the Navi culture. Like, the idea was for them to sort of be undetected as humans anyway in that culture. I, but I the Navi possibly be the motive, right? Because they have human well, faces on purpose. Yeah, I don't. Well, I think the Navi, they were always aware that that was uh, an avatar. I don't think there was any sort of like sneakiness. I think they knew like, oh, this is a human pretending to be a Navi to communicate with us. Uh, Which I I grant you was like a really, you have to go way out of your way to make that make sense. And you're like, you grew a monster to talk to people? Like, just how would you react if like a sentient ape species suddenly sent a human ape thing it created out of the woods and was like hi we're here to get to know you like what did you how did you get our dna and this, who did you did you kill anyone for this did you think about the morality of it does that thing have a soul what are we doing here yeah well and anyway. is it primarily to work around the atmosphere that they can't breathe or i mean i guess i just don't fully understand what the program was for because it never seemed to be a covert op in any way i believe <clears throat> That is why that aspect is glossed over. 
because sure. I think it's like I wanted this guy to be in with this new culture, but I have to justify a bunch of really heavy lifts. So we'll just go very fast through that and part. You, you bury yeah, like, under a bunch of other very interesting, easy to buy information yeah. about scientifically accurate information. And they're like, oh, and if, oh, if you look over here, here's a tank with a monster that looks kind of like Sam Worthington moving right, right along. I kept thinking that they were going to be establishing like a fake backstory. Like we're, I don't know, we're a different sect of you people. From oh yeah, place. no, you know. What yeah, I, mean? I think that the movie thing. just is very yeah. vague about it because, like, they take yeah. it vaguely in stride whenever Jake just like turns off at the last half of the movie. Yeah. So they must have some like passing awareness that there is a pilot to this thing, or they just ignore like, hey, why did you pass the fuck out just now? No, they yeah. call them, they call them sky people. So and they, they call them they call them demons. I yeah. think they you know. I, I guess I always thought that they were referring to the humans because I assume they were aware of the existence of the humans. They're they're aware of all of it. They're just not yeah. really impressed or interested in it. Right. Yeah, I that see, makes the most sense. In the director's cut, they talk about Grace's former program, Doctor Augustine, where she goes to teach the kids. They have a school set up. They actually go Jake Sully and Grace and all of them. They go explore that school in their Navi bodies and. We don't know what happened, but there's like gunfire bullet holes in the chalkboard. Okay, so there was. So I think that's like as much as you'd get to mine out of a prequel is like, this is the situation, which is pretty stable. So like the question of like, well, what happened before to me is like, "Ah, apparently nothing that relevant. It seems like there's more to talk about with what happened with humans. This isn't my pick, but I wanted, the only thing I could think of was like a three hour PBS style documentary on earth about the the history of humanity's history with pandora and see the first images that were sent back to pandora that we all saw when we were very young in in you know elementary school and see how the discovery that we were not alone in the universe affected the world our first you know trips out to the planet and all that stuff you know and i was going to call it uh the pale new dot mm, that's cool that's I'm a solid on, name i'm on board for 20 minutes <laughs> over three hours but i like it yeah in your prequel pitch that the navi are there is like irrelevant it's just like what does that do to earth to know that there are aliens it could be any alien right i mean like no it would be the you know what I'm saying? navi storyline with it's, it's split between an earth documentary and a navi documentary <laughs> filmed with uh biological camera creatures kind of like in the flintstone oh, no. It's just CCH Pounder, like, talking. And the, the plugs are all the all right, same. So... There's a computer creature as well. They plug it in. You know, it's it's pretty pretty standard. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you do. Um, I yeah. think sequel is the best pitch, and I think, obviously, that's pretty much what we're going to... But, though, now that we're talking about the mm-hmm. casting, I bet you what we're getting is, like, a sequel with a lot of prequely parts. It, it's I would mm-hmm. not be shocked if we spend a lot of time Especially before Avatar in the Avatar sequel. Well, there's four more chapters already planned. It'll be an overarching yeah. Navi story. It would make sense. Yeah, good good point, Mario. I heard good point, Travis. <laughs> All right, so does anyone want to go first? We save Lauren for last, right? Yeah, we save Lauren for last. Yeah. And we put all the pressure on her that we can. Is it a joint pitch? Is it a joint pitch? It is. Uh, it's a joint pitch with apparently <laughs> lacking all affect of dramatic reveal. <laughs> we can take it again if you want and no, no, deliver no. it however you want because this is huge. This is a... Follow-up showdown first, a joint pitch from our two co-hosts who do live together and who have talked at length about helping each other on their pitches many times before. This is the first official joint pitch, and I am First ever Lorvis joint. Ooh, Lorvis McCorney. 
McCorney. Mm. Lorvis yeah. McCorney. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like the Lorvis is the creature that Dr. Seuss created to teach children to stay at home and not talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's pretty much what we do. Mario, while you're on a roll, why don't you start us off? Sure, why not? All right, let's turn up the heat. The first sequel, Avatars. Mm. So, yeah, let's see. Uh, so what you get is this is the, like, you know, all right, things are cool here. Do you want to come see – you want to meet the in-laws, uh, Nahiri? So they jump on a slow light ship just like he took to get out there. It's going to take him eight years to go back to Earth. That's not where we join them. We, we join them at Earth. They are on Earth. So now we're seeing uh, Navi, you know, in a crazy suit so she can breathe Earth atmosphere with him walking around. And we get – she is our eyes to be introduced to whatever Earth is in the Avatar universe. They're there for, like, Act 1 and then very similar to Act – one of the first Avatar movie, it's like the world gazetter for what Earth is now. You spend a lot of time not advancing any sort of plot at all for like an hour of the movie where you're just like, oh, yeah, this is how we do shipping in the future because that's, you know, thematically appropriate to the first one. That's what we do for Act 1. Act 2 would be this thing where all of a sudden, like, portals open up and there are massive ships in orbit around Earth and they just start, like abducting giant swaths of people, taking them away. And, you know, everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? And Jake and Nahiri and a couple other people that they know are in a good position to like fight back some. So they have some victories that are small where they like, they kill one and they're sort of examining this thing and they're taking it apart. And it's like an extremely biologically advanced version of a Navi. So it's still got like the blue skin, but instead of like a weird hair braid, it has like a more like technologically purposeful like port that does the same thing and what they figure out is that the aliens are like higher dimensional beings basically the aliens that the humans interacting with are avatars of these higher dimensional beings so that's where avatars um they're here because what they're doing is they come back to earth when they need to and harvest human beings to use as a base genetic stock that they develop into their different alien races that they use which is why it was so easy for earthlings to turn navi into like half breeds because the human genome is like the basic structure and nobody knew this, but like that's where Navi come from originally, like, and other species that we haven't met yet. They're all just like, you grab a basic blank human and turn it into an alien race that, you know, is out there in the galaxy. So that's what we find out through act two with some like action beats of them fighting the superior forces and winning little victories. So at the end of the movie, uh, they figure out that they were originally created from the same genetic stock. And Pandora is a member of this extra dimensional race these beings, quote unquote, that are piloting these avatars are actually like the consciousness of entire planets. And when they all decided to fuck off to the fourth dimension or higher space, Pandora was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave the people that live here and I'm going to stay in this dimension and we're just going to be very chill and back to the Earth. So like Pandora is alive and a being that has agency and awareness, but they opted out of this like go be more technologically advanced thing. So uh they steal teleportation technology, basically, or a way to move faster than light so they don't have to spend eight years getting back. And they flee the now-conquered Earth back to Pandora, which is where we would pick up in Avatar 3, which is like a detective story on Pandora discerning how to communicate directly with Pandora, like practically speaking, getting their shit together. And then Act 2 is an attack from the bad aliens who have Earth and it's, you know, they've this is your all-is-lost moment. Now they've got Pandora tied up in all of this as well. So... The gang figure out this technology and they use it to talk to our planet Earth and Earth sort of like awakens into a celestial consciousness as well. And with Pandora and Earth working together, 
they push the extra extra dimensional aliens back and set them up with like synthetic life so that they don't have to like mine human beings. Basically, Earth is like, why don't you use the technology that human beings have been developing to make bodies so that you don't have to steal us because we don't like that. And you leave us and Pandora alone and fuck off back to the fourth dimension. And the aliens are like, yeah, all right, great. And that's the end of the Avatar sequels. Wow. That uh, that's that's uh, very. I feel like it's a very typical Mario pitch. That is high concept, delightful. What I think nine people pitch a an Avatar sequel, and it's not going to be uh, that weird gobbledygook you just. What's going to pick your noodle later is that this is actually a side pitch for a Matrix sequel. No, I know <laughs> that's what I wrote. Down. <laughs> I've got written here. I've got Prometheus meets Matrix meets Ender's Game. Yeah, no, I just stole from everything I liked better. It's great. <laughs> good luck, Paul. Ours is a good, solid, that sounds like a sequel to Avatar, but like Mario's is like, that's an exciting idea. My mind's a Twitter. I was already picturing that shot from Mr. Baseball, like Natiri is on Earth, like two feet taller than everyone yes. else around her. Yeah, yeah, it would be really fun. It's not going to take the length of my normal pitches. Now, say where to go. Jake Sully. Has been on Tim Pandora for many years now. It's been years. That's all you need to know. It's been years. Natiri starts having dreams about the sky engulfing the planet around them. A few days into these, having these dreams, the sun is blocked out by a massive shadow in the sky, casting all of Pandora into darkness. It lasts so long that the bioluminescence of the life around them begins to fade. The Navi want to plan a defense against this shadow, but Neytiri argues against it, believing that the vision she's having means this is important. Jake Sully backs her up on this point, and he's, they're both so well-respected in the tribe at this point. I would assume he's head of the tribe. Okay, so one day, the sun returns as the shadow moves, revealing itself to be an enormous flying creature who lands on a massively open range that the planet itself seems to have formed for it. The being and the planet begin to sort of share energy with each other once it lands. It sort of hooks into the planet, into Pandora. All of the Navi tribes migrate to this place where this is happening and conclude that the creature and Pandora are giving each other energy and also that the creature is absorbing into itself the spirits of the Navi dead, their memories, and even their way of life. Jake Sully, having space traveled before, concludes that those who are willing are meant to bond with this being and travel upon it through space to bring their way of life to other planets in the universe. So basically, all of Jake, Nectiri, and all of their tribe climb aboard and are joined by a smattering of others, of other Navi. This begins a space odyssey like no other, Avatar Galactica. <laughs> After exploring a few other worlds, they come to Earth, and much like Mario's, they struggle to work with humans to better things there. There is conflict, but ultimately peace and change. Um, I think that's also really interesting and dynamic and really explorative, and I'm starting to feel like we should have gone first. <laughs> Those were really good. Um, very proud of you both. I will now tell you what our movie is. Let's dance. Um, so it's called Avatar 2 Operation Scatter. Set not, not long after the events of Avatar. Um, we're, of course, the opening scene is going to be a little bit of a establishing like what the equilibrium norm is between the humans who have been left behind and Jake and Natiri and running the tribe and all that stuff. Boilerplate. And then 
boom, explosion. Far off, but close enough that everyone's like, we need to check that out. Jake and Natiri go to investigate. As they're getting closer to ground zero, they notice the jungle around them is like sick and dying and mucky and like they're decaying. Getting, decaying. They're getting yeah. as they get closer to ground zero, they're like the forest is sick. Uh, so then when they get to ground zero, they discover um, in some of those mech suits some marine dudes who have been left behind, kind of Rambo style. Um, and they're they're they've got some bombs. They're trying to blow some stuff up. So. Everyone jumps into a fight. Luckily, they got their own backup in a mech. Norm has adopted his own mech suit because he's a human and can't breathe Pandora oh, in air. So that's his weapon. So he's back up in a norm in a norm suit in a mech suit. <laughs> um, a fight ensues. A handful of the guys run off, and a mysterious container of uh, some sort of black grayish sludge is destroyed by Norm. That was very important to these Marines. Once Norm destroyed it, they all run off. Um, Natiri is lightly wounded. It's just a scratch, but she's like in her arm or whatever. So they see, they got all this marine stuff. They see this weird tech. They take all the bomb and the gray sludge and stuff back to the base to Dr. Max Patel. And they're like, hey, we found all this stuff out in the middle of this decaying forest spot. Can you tell us what it is? And he immediately says, I know what this is. This was... um, goo developed by the military side of things. I'm not super familiar with it. Uh, But when they first landed for something called Operation Scatter, which was designed for if they get overrun by the Na'vi in the base, the humans can use this to sort of like mess with the equilibrium, get everyone off their back, kind of their only weapon in the face of these very uh, strengthy natives who can just like tear them in half. And it's this uh, poison that when you put into a bomb, does just what you guys have already guessed. It destroys the forest. It poisons it. It kills it. It's it a hurts. naturally occurring poison that they found on Pandora that they then weaponized to use against Pandora. Right. Okay. Um, so as they're as they're explaining all of this to the group, Dr. Max Patel notices Natiri's wound is already pretty angry looking. And he's like, we need to address that. Um, he, he figures out that whatever was in the bomb is a similar poison to what's been on her. One of the guys must have had it on his knife or something. She got cut. Um, and he's like, we, I don't know how to deal with that. I'm not a Navi healer. And she's like, I know what this is. This comes from another clan far, far away. So they have to go to this other clan to figure out a cure for her. Also, Jake, because he's a former Marine as well, knows that they're going to, those guys, probably going to get some more of that poison stuff that we just smashed. Um, and that's when they look into it, blah, blah, blah. Dr. Patel is like, so they blew up one bomb. There are at least four more out there. They don't have any more of the poison, but they have bombs, and that's bad news for us. So everyone decides to caravan of courage their way out to this other tribe to sort of track these guys down and heal Natiri. Before they leave, they go to their ancestor tree to, like, you know, pray, stick their ponytails into the thing, and uh, that's when we're introduced to our new character, a healer of our own tribe, played by Lupita Nyong'o, um, mm-hmm. who... I haven't decided to give a name to because it's a funny made up language. Mm. Um, and so she's going to go with them just so we can have a new character. And she's also, she's not as charmed by Jake. She gets it. Okay. We get it. You're a human. You're the big guy, whatever. Um, and also when he's plugged in, Jake hears a familiar voice, that of Dr. Grace Augustine, who has been absorbed by Pandora yeah. as uploaded all Uploaded into the network. Uploaded. Awesome. But, since she's not really, yeah. she's a human, so she kind of sticks out a little bit. But Jake can hear her more clearly than the other Navi. Um, and so for this, you're going to want to sort of picture 
in the Super Mario Brothers movie, you know, the, the magic fungus king who was everywhere. Grace is going to fulfill that kind of role, where she's part of the planet, just giving little Right, the archetypical act. fungus everywhere role. Yeah. <laughs> right. So then we're going to enter into our second act of the movie, and that's going to be like a lot of the fun of the movie is this sort of like fantasy-esque trek through the jungle where we leave behind most all of our, you know, human compadres and the base. And we're going to get to see a lot of new Pandora monsters. A lot of new Lupita is going to be, you know, that's that's your fun pulse. Yeah, she's going to she be a little th- bit more of a fun She character. thinks that Norm's really cute, but like in a pet kind of way, like he's really little and he has a silly face and five fingers. I have a question. Well, and even putting, you know, a fun character against Worthington's stiffness that makes him more fun because then he gets nudged, he gets teased. That's all you yeah. need to do with that guy. Slap him around a little bit. Yeah. What was your question, Mario? I'm just curious. Yeah. Can the Lupita part be played by Steve Zahn? That's what he said. So on on this trek, one of the things that they discover is that Pandora has these underground caves that the Navi don't really go into because it's they're filled with a poisonous gas, oxygen. Uh-huh. But Norm can go in quite easily. Nice. And he's taking readings and stuff and sending them doctor, back to Dr. Patel. And they're realizing there's like a whole network of caves that go underneath Pandora that people don't really go into because it's full of poison. And so then as, you know, as the second act nears its end, there's another explosion they hear. Um, they're like, tomorrow, I think they're like, tomorrow we'll be at the clan. So let's rest up tonight. Explosion. And they go, let's check into the clan right now. They run through the night. They get to the, the next village. A bomb has gone off. It's not everyone's dead, but it's pretty gross. It's pretty bloody and nasty. So that's where they get sort of, they find, you know, we get a new character from that tribe. Uh, they kind of get Lupita taken, or um, Natiri taken care of. Oh, okay, sorry. So they go in to have this fight with these other like five or six Marines who are in their mech suits. We go, the fight ends up going into the caves because these guys are, they've been using the caves. They're like, yeah, we can go in there. You can't go in there. So you're going to have a little bit of, like, Jake and Natiri trying to go in, and they're, like, Jake is now, like, it's all poisonous to him now because he's not a human anymore. Norm kind of gets a couple hero moments as he can breathe the oxygen more easily. Um, they're not going to be able to stop that last bomb from going off. We're going to do something cool, like the the guy who I keep picturing is Crossbones from Captain America, just, like, that big, angry military yeah. type, you know? Um, basically the same guy from the first Avatar. He's going to blow himself up in the cave or whatever. But what happens is instead of the cave collapsing, what it does is it blasts all the rock off of this cave. And underneath is this semi-opaque, beautiful crystal. They see that they're under a body of water, a pond, so that like sunlight is getting in. Now Norman and Patel and some other people are realizing human beings can live quite easily in this now beautiful, sunlit, underground cave system. So... Everyone wraps up. We're all holding hands and stuff. We go back to our dirty old military base where everyone's living. And they're like, good news. If you guys want to stay and live, there's caves underneath. There's some oxygen-rich plants. There's some fresh water. There's sunlight now because you can just blow everything up and the rocks fall away. And we can we sort of start to see the very beginnings of a potential human colony, Navi, you know. Coexistence. Coexistence. And we sort of end on a very, like, day the earth stood still note of, like, People from Earth are going to come back. Mm-hmm. We just kicked them all off. They're going to come back. If they want, there is a place for them to live here in harmony with us. But we don't know when they come back, if they will come in peace or not. Mm. Very, very nice. I like the, also, taking it in a smaller direction. I do, it does seem like a 
stakes and scale come down kind of a little, like not too much. Oh, but yeah. yeah. None of us decided to make the sentient planet battle a fourth dimensional being. <laughs> <laughs> now, what you guys gave me was more creatures, which I was very excited about. You gave me more landscapes, which is more what I wanted. And I think there's potential for even more creatures in the underground area. Like maybe ones that look a little more familiar. Yeah. Kind of weird. Some scary, some cute, you know. Mm-hmm. Creatures, creatures, creatures. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> Yours is like if Avatar had come out, two had come out within five years of the first one. That is hundred percent serviceable, a, a, a home run mm-hmm. because it's like cool, new story, new 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 visuals, sequel. But for it to come out, since it is coming out, boy, fifteen years later, how many years later? Unbelievably. Yeah. Guys, it uh, isn't even out yet. It could be thirty years. We yeah. could never see it. The scale that Mario's talking about is more of the... I'm hoping, like with Matrix 4, for mind blow. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, But I am I am wrestling. I'm wrestling here. So does anybody else want to vote first? Oh, also, I have an alternate title pitch for you guys. Oh, sweet. Avatar 2, Pandora's Plague. Mm. I originally thought of okay, Pandora's Okay, can I ask you, gross? Do, they have genitalia, right? Yeah, and their tails. But that's what yeah, I mean. Is that the sex yeah. part? Does it do all of it? Yeah. I don't think so. Oh, I no, th- you know what? That's it, correct. I, I think, think that's they, just an added connection. That's just like yeah. That's just like yeah. a. Okay. That's like so they're doing it normal. Spirits, spirits yeah. entwining. That's just like that's just like the ecstasy factor, you know. I don't think that they would bother giving them. Oh sure, costs. why cover if you don't right. need to cover? Yeah, good point. Well, I've googled it. <sighs> and a terrible idea. According to Google Images, Navi sex seems to work. Pretty much identically to hardcore pornography. And this is a, you know, perfectly solid reference. Mm -hmm. So that was www. Google. Google. (laughs) Have looky. Leave me alone. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, all right, are we ready to vote? I think we should vote. We'll go first so you guys can figure out if you're voting for um, us or us. Oh, so the new rules, Mario, you (laughs) can vote for one that's not your own. Does our vote count as one? No, we, we... no. The vote. You can okay, I don't think so. Just not for ourselves. Okay. Um, I, I'm gonna vote. Uh, I'm gonna vote Mario's. Mm, that was really solid. I'm gonna vote for Paul's. Yeah. Really idea, and I got like the visual of um Mr. Ray <laughs> in Finding Nemo. That's how I imagined them <laughs> yeah. all like riding on the giant turret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, one of each. Jeez. Oh boy. Um, I'm gonna vote for. Travis and Lauren. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. One uh, of each. Oh, wow. One of each. So Mario our, is not only our beloved deciding. guest, but our deciding vote. Yeah, I'm giving it to Travis and Lauren. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Who's back? That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, bitch. That's right. Get your punk ass back to mommy. Oh. Oh, yay. I feel bad because guys. like y'all, y'all were like so much more intelligent and high concept, and we're just like same characters doing things. <laughs> and it's too late to change your votes. <laughs> no <laughs> Well done, everyone. Playing. I thought you know for the task given, this went very well on all sides. Yeah. I don't think anybody should yeah. be bearing their heads I, in the sand. I am gonna say I hope James Cameron does better than all of us. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So far, he has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do I, I, have, like, a little bit of an unsung hero. Okay, let's do it. Hit it, Paul Jr. 
Unsung hero. Switch. One of my like favorite little moments in this movie is whenever Jake like jumps off of the tree and like just like eats shit all the way down the leaves and he falls. When he stands up, that bit of performance mixed with immaculate like mocapping and animation and CG. Just like he like he like stands up and he sort of like awkwardly looks at Natiri and he like brushes his chest off. Go watch that moment again. It's so like it's 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 so human. His performing comes through. His performance comes through so perfectly. And I just I I, I always pay attention to that moment because it's so delightful. <laughs> well, that, I believe is our first sung sung hero that is a moment. So that's exciting. We've yeah, done sorry, I just, uh, inanimate I, I objects before. Moment. But we're move, we're evolving. We're evolving all the time. One of the many parts of the movies that we quote a lot is that guy at the beginning when Jake's being unloaded from the plane, and he says, oh, yeah. "Nobody be mm-hmm. dead today." Uh, I'm gonna piggyback on nuts. Not anybody die today, only because it turns out that my wife and I were watching the movie, and she went, "Oh, I dated that guy." What? She, my wife dated that actor, so not this guy going to die today. Wait, hang on. Yeah, how is this not the headline of the episode? This is this is classic. I horror. didn't remember until you guys mentioned him. We're talking about. We're on the podcast. Welcome to Avatar Talk, where we talk about the guys that Mario's wife has dated. <laughs> yeah, he'll pop up once in a while. And I'm like, oh yeah, the guy how my wife did dated. Ah, uh, not very long, from what I'm told. Cool. How old is he? They still keep. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. I have asked zero follow-up questions. Oh, bud. <laughs> nobody be jealous today. Wait for my mark. He's great. He's yeah, fine. He's good. I did like that, for that moment. My unsung hero is Stephen Lang's little robot knife. <laughs> I'm so excited about robot knife because it's go like so much in the movie. It's going so far out of your way. Yeah, something, and it's a it's a play on what you we normally get, which is robot sword. You know, this is there yeah. are you don't see a lot of robot knives. What's funny is because of the scale difference, it's a robot knife, but it's a people sword. We are also going to have a supersized segment that is a combination of a things left on the table. Let's get these things off the table. And a Travis describes a theme park ride. Travis describes a theme park ride. Travis describes a theme park ride. Is going to begin with something that we didn't do because we didn't have this segment back when we did the Men in Black episode, which is we're going to start with Travis describing the Men in Black ride. Are you ready? Yay. I am ready. Is it still around? It is. Um, yeah, it is. It's called Men in Black Alien Attack. I think it was a new structure in 97 or 98 um and it's 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 just a a laser shoot 'em game on a rail game it's a ride so um what you're making the exact wrong noise paul the noise you should be making is oh yeah because (laughs) it's the best ride in that theme park (laughs) let me set the scene for you so when you universal studios right yeah Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The park with Harry Potter, and it's still not the best ride. Men in Black ride was pretty much every time a must ride. So when you go into the building itself, it's presented to you as though you're in a very 1960s, like a World's Fair, like the 1960s World's Fair. It's the universe and you, and you're going to learn how you fit into the universe. The recording warbles to a stop, and Rip Torn's voice cuts in, welcoming you as the latest agents in the Men in yes. Black. You step into yes. a 
elevator, which is a very effective illusion of a rumbling building with lights that move. So you think you're going into the under the ground. The other door is open. You step out. You are now fully in the Men in Black headquarters. You wow. Go the, you go past like a break room with the worms in it, little robots pouring the coffee and stuff. Um, there's like funny overhead PA calls, you know, agents um, E, I, O, report to the whatever ward. Uh, then you go through the big, you know, the men in black room with the twins and they're there down, you know, working the screens and stuff. And it's all terribly exciting. And that's good news because when it first opened, the line was like hours long. So you wanted to be in that men in black headquarters. Yeah. Then you go down, you're sorted into your car, groups of six. Um, and there's little uh, laser guns. Up Are into- they stylized after the men in black ones? They are stylized. Paul, you're yeah. using two hands. It's going to be a noisy cricket. Series style. four deatomizer. Oh, it's noisy Le- cricket. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it's, you're, it's closer to a series four deatomizer. Yeah, it's got lights on okay. it and stuff. Um, the first room you go into is that test fire room that Jay was in, like the, the cutout mm. buildings with the cardboard cutout robots. Now, now I know this is what the people are listening for, so I'm going to tell you. What you're going to want to do, first of all, don't pull the trigger over and over and over. You're wasting time. Hold that sum of gun down. It's mm. going to shoot much faster for you. Wow. Second, you're going to be real tempted to hit a target and then move on. No, my friends. Shoot that same target over and over and over. Rack the points up. <laughs> you're going to go through. So this is a very short sequence. You basically round one corner, you know, the alarm goes off. Now you're in the field. Uh, and the rest of the ride is like New York. And it's filled with little hidden aliens. Spaceship crashed right into the center of everything. And it has presumably unleashed a zoo of aliens. They're all shapes and sizes. Some of them are very obvious, big animatronic robots. You need to aim for the eyes, people. Don't mm. just go shooting willy nilly. Aim for those peepers. Um, And again, if you hit a target, just keep nailing them. Uh, And then there's also little hidden aliens. There's like, you know, the three-card Monty guy. He lifts up a cup, little alien in there. (laughs) Don't be fooled. Look at the three-card Monty guy. He's an alien, too. (laughs) Lots of extra points. Wait, but is he just an alien doing its job? You just shoot all of them? It's not like the J-test where you got to decipher... Yeah, shoot them all. Let Gleemanax sort them out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you get a lot of extra bonus points for these hidden ones. So try to seek out where the little bonuses are. If you see Frank the Pug, he's sitting on the little newsstand. You shoot Frank? He's an alien, Paul. (laughs) The whole point of Men in Black is aliens are, you know, essentially people. They're good, they're bad, they're... Well, let me tell you. In Central Florida, that's not how we treat the aliens when they (laughs) land. And I mean, that's sadly true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then you, you go through um, regular New York, you enter into an alley, uh, and then an alien robot says, please, please don't shoot me. And then he says, get him. And all of the boxes upend, and more aliens pop out shooting you. Now, this is key. This is the moment they take your picture. So have a pose in mind. Mm. What I like to do is stop shooting. I know it's risky. And I hold my gun up next to my face and smile. It looks great. Do you put shades on? You ever do that? Shades? (laughs) No, Paul, because I'm not being a nerdy dork. I don't do dorky dad jokes. I'm crisp and cutting edge. It's just it's yeah. The difference between Travis and those fathers is he makes this look good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hope we have a lot of Men in Black fans listening to this Avatar episode. No, they're they're (laughs) just getting 
they're yeah. hitting the 15 second jump ahead thing. Uh, so then you just go through, you know, another couple of cityscapes. They do a gag where, because there's two cars going simultaneously in the ride. They do a gag where you um, are let known that the other vehicle has been taken over by aliens and you need to shoot that vehicle. Um, and there's a target on the vehicle. They're going to try to shoot yours. You're going to try to shoot them. Every time one of them gets hit, that vehicle will spin out of control, making it difficult for a moment to get any points. Awesome. Now, this is kind of a dick move. But what you can do is turn around and shoot your own target. You will spin out, but you'll also get the points. So use oh. that at your risk. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then you round the corner, and they're like, uh-oh, it's a big, giant, end-of-the-ride bug. And then you turn, and then, like, as big as life, whole wall, giant alien monster face. You're shooting it in the eyes, and this is when you hear, above the din, push the little red button. Now, if you're an old pro like me or Mario, you've been tapping that button since you turned the corner. <laughs> oh, Cause, yeah. Because not everyone gets it. So uh -huh. you need to be tapping and tapping. And then, you know, the ride spins out and it's over, and you look down at your score. Hopefully, at this point, it says bonus 100,000. Bonus 100,000. If it didn't, you got chumped. Sorry. Oh. Then you go through, and there's Jay himself on a screen, Will Smith. And he lets you know, because both of the cars are going in together. He lets you know who won, who got the most points. And there's a there's a several different, like, I'm not going to try and quote it, um, but he does a bit. And then you guys are separated off into your own hallways. If you made it into the Men in Black, if you got enough points, you will see a tailor, an alien tailor, making your suit. Oh. Most likely what you will see is a fat alien in a white button-up shirt telling you you zigged when you should have zagged and you didn't cut it. And then you go around the corner and there's Will Smith on the screen again. And he's like, blah, 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 sorry, flashy thing, lights flash. You come out of the ride, you're back at the World's Fair. I hope you enjoyed the universe and you. Exit to the left, blah, blah, blah. I wow. cannot highly stress enough how much fun this ride is. That... Travis's brother Troy worked there for a few years, and they could all get on the ride and max out the point score, which I think was like 9,999,999 points. Uh, I stopped being able to do that a long time ago because it's a young man's game. But yeah. that ride, I'm telling you, of the rides that still function in that park, it's easily the top three. You can, you can, of course, you can watch all of these on YouTube. There are just high def videos of people going yeah. through just writing so you can pretend. We watched one recently to pretend that we weren't still locked in our apartment forever. Oh, I want to save it because being Men in Black being one of my favorite movies, that sounds like the best ride experience that could oh, it's possibly a blast. Exist for It's me. so much fun. It's everything you want yeah, it to be. I, that was excellent. That was excellent, Travis. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thorough. And now we move on to Mario to describe for us what he did experience from the Avatar ride. Yes, let me tell you, my friends, about the four-and-a-half-hour line that is all the way out of the land that they designed to look like Avatar at the Disney's Animal Kingdom Park. And that was three years after they opened it. So there's a premiere attraction that is, I believe, a variant on the Soren ride, which for those of you who are aficionados, it's like a really immersive... IMAX projection with wind so it feels like you're flying and smells as you go over things. And I'm told that's what the Avatar ride is sort of. It's like the flight of, uh, you're on a Banshee, Flight of the Banshee I think it's called or something like that. No idea what that ride is like. It was literally a five hour line every time I looked at it. And it's been three years. But the boat line was only like 90 minutes so we, we went through that. So if you imagine it's a small world but it's a big world called Pandora you've got it. Um oh. 
It's oh. really prosaic and very chill. It's an indoor dark boat ride. And you get on the neatest thing that it did was you go underneath these like tall lily pads that are actually like screens and the shadows of these like frog things like land on the pad and it goes like boing, boing like this above Whoa. you. So it looks like the frogs are, like, jumping around. It's a very immersive illusion. Other than that, I cannot remember one thing about that boat. And then at the end, there's a giant, extremely nice looking Navi puppet singing a very immersive song. And, you know, it's like, welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. Welcome to the world of Navi. Uh, something like that. Now that's available on YouTube as well. You should Google it. Uh, it's fun time. Another than that, you know, Disney did their level best to put as much of the ridiculously impossible avatar world into practical terms but like you know so there's like quote unquote floating rocks that you know don't really look like they're floating and plants that you've seen before and also plants that are a little weird and then like an old abandoned mech suit and Mm -hmm. the i will say this the merchandising is overwhelming and incredibly in-depth which is surprising that what they hit the hardest was the merchandise (laughs) the food was pretty cool too yeah the food was really neat it's all like gastro pubby stuff so it's like you know it's a bon me but it's got little boba balls in it yeah exactly so so i assume it's cute the major points from pandora are there the tree and the hallelujah mountains and the the major visual yeah hallelujah mountains is what they really at night i hear that the ground interacts with your feet in a yeah. There's like LEDs that you can step on. You were not able to experience, sadly. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for that, Mario. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, Yeah. While we're on that wave, like and subscribe. Get on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think. Give us a review. I want to hear from anybody. You know, we 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 love you guys, whoever you are. Paul. Um, Yeah. Um. After our previous episode, has anyone? said anything on the instagram posts as anyone commenting are they out there no well looking forward to having paul describe to me your interactions with us downers matt well there's the uppers and the downers travis has claimed the downers so i guess i'll take the uppers lauren you can have both okay um, nice that sounds nice. Good. Yeah. a little of both yeah <laughs> So how about plugs? Who's got plugs? Anybody? Yeah. I have an official website, lolascustomfunkos.com. And also follow me on Instagram at lolascustomfunkos. And I'm on TikTok as Lola underscore Stark because I'm trying to do a little bit of everything. I've decided that I'm going to hype my web series, Rolling High, which is available on YouTube. You can Google Rolling High, Episode 1, The Ice Queen. Go get those numbers up so I have justification to come back and make more of it. And uh, follow Mario on Twitter at capital A-Q-U-A, capital K-O-N-G. Aquacom, in case there are people driving who don't want to try to spell. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you've probably heard the other episodes. Listen to The Theater of Tomorrow. Listen to The Hotel. Those are my other podcasts. Everyone you're listening to has been involved in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Mario has straight up written an entire season of Theater of Tomorrow, so if you like the cut of his jib, check out Moon Man Man Scout. They're dynamite, and we're, we're, we're having more come back in the spring. I want to use my plug to promote something that I don't, don't think has come up on the show from Travis and Lauren, which is, I believe, Travis's YouTube channel, uh, upon which there are many, many a short film that these two have made in their quarantine time and before their pre-quarantine time. There's a lot of them. They're fun. They're quirky. They're funny. Slar is a particular current favorite of mine. I've watched it about a million times. And there was, I don't know if this, I don't know if the big short film 
that just released, Control-Alt-Extinct, is on your YouTube channel. But oh, my God. Whatever that so, is, check that out as yeah, well. Yeah, we should really plug that. I'm so stupid. Okay, yeah, please. Yeah. What you should do is go to uh, Bent Entertainment, B-E-N-T Entertainment's YouTube channel, um, and check that out because we did just release our first horror short, Control-Alt-Extinct, which Mario Lens, I co-wrote mm-hmm. and produced. I did the sound design. Oh, that's right. So yeah. it's really good. It's, uh, you know, our friend Heather Monk directed it, and we are going to be releasing some others. We've got Mr. Nice Guy coming out on Valentine's Day. That trailer should be dropping soon as well. Go you watch all of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you listen to this, you got time. Check them yeah. out. Thank you guys so much for this. I think this was a rousing success as far as the task presented. And uh, I was going to say good luck, James Cameron, at the end of this episode, but I think we can all just be like, hi, James Cameron. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Thank you. (laughs) James, as always. He definitely is listening. Thank you for listening. On the next follow-up showdown. The movie we are talking about is 2004's Bring It On Again. Our guests today, Jen Seltzer and Alex Temple. I can't believe that they made like seven of these movies. And the second one's the worst one. Why does this keep happening? (laughs) 